0: Welcome in to an episode of DNVR Avalanche At The Rink podcast. Megan Angley and Jesse Montano are here literally at the rink yet again.
1: <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. We got the media room to ourselves. We didn't have to go find a little corner we, of the building anywhere.
0: We still had to work for it. We had yeah. to be patient, but it gave us some time to regroup. But I'm really glad we got to use it. We had to room. work for it. That's great. We
1: kicked people out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, optional ish practice today. Like there were, there was a lot of guys on the ice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not, not everybody. A lot of maintenance days today. Teams leaving for San Jose. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 a good day. It's nice outside, and it's it's kind of a nice little low impact day for us to do some at the rink.
0: I'm excited to get into it, too, because one thing of note is how many people are traveling on this trip among the injured players. Yes. I think that's an exciting piece of optimism, and it'll lend itself to our eventual Gabriel Landeskog conversation. But what did you make of that incredible question from Evan (laughs) about who all is going to be traveling?
1: Uh, I I was surprised, to be honest. Uh, We were watching before practice officially got started. uh, You have a lot of the injured guys, everyone pretty much except for Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, Out on the ice, you know getting in some work Uh, But it was real light work for Manson for Lekkonen for Fransos. No pucks for any of those guys Um, Obviously for for Manson and Lekkonen it was just a lot of skating a lot of power skating Uh, For Georgie excuse me for Fransos. It was a lot of angles and uh, you know lateral movements and and things like that So I, I figured that one or two of those guys would make the trip for all three of them to be going uh i think that's encouraging i I don't know if i'm expecting i think lekinen could play he's the only one that i think i think lekinen is the only one megan that i would say i think he's going on the trip because he might play the other two, Manson and Fransos, I think that's about, hey, they're starting to get back into the, the, the rhythm. We want them around the team. Right. We want them taking reps. Seven games to go. Like, we don't have a lot of runway here until the end of the season. Um, so that's what I think on Fransos and Manson. But I do think for Lekanen, this is a sign that he could be back in the lineup before they come home. Uh, two games in San Jose, a game in L.A., a game in Anaheim. I think maybe that last game of the trip you could target as a potential lecun in return.
0: Do you think it's feasible to, uh, Francos could back someone up without the expectation that he gets in gameplay?
1: Yes, I, I would say so. Just just based on what we've seen now in the last few days, him on the ice. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a good, it's a good question because I, I think yeah maybe those maybe the LA and Anaheim games, you could see him backing up.
0: And it could be too, depending on, because he's going to be with the group skating while they're traveling, which is good, taking shots, seeing how he feels, maybe it's going to be a game time decision type thing too, if he even dresses for any of these games or not. But I think it's like you said, it is important this time of year for the team to be getting around one another. I thought your question too, about taking to the road and having the team together in this way, held importance, Mm -hmm. because not just in the team dinners and the time spent together away, but also leading up to this and having this gala and the charity brunch are these team events that aren't games that I think are important for them this time of year, not that there's been any sort of issue with team building, but I think it's good to have a reason for them to get together that isn't always the intensity of games and so yeah. I know Jared Bednar's answer to it was a really simple answer mm-hmm. but I think that this is a valuable time of year for them to be
1: taking off like this so we've talked to Jared about this kind of stuff in the past and he has mentioned that he likes starting the season with a lengthy road trip for exactly what you're talking about let's get away Yes, you know, it's not like they want to get away from their families, but like let's get away with our group with our team and the dinners and being at the same hotel and things like that And I remember even guys talking about that uh, With the sweden trip from a few years ago and then to a different extent this year with the finland trip I think that finland trip just had a completely different vibe to it because of the long postseason, the short off season. Um, so, so I think the, the Finland trip was just a little bit different this year, but it is there is a element of that team bonding and, and, and to your point, like I like the way you just said it. Getting together for things that aren't games and aren't practices, and you're not having to be in the gym. So it's always like, no, you can just go get dinner yeah. with your teammates. And I think I think it's coming at a good time because it's been a long season, Megan. Like I've been talking to the guys about that uh, over the last week that can, you know, I've really been asking guys like, can you believe it? And I have unanimously gotten, no, I can't believe this is where we are. And a lot of the guys are saying it, it, it both flew by and it feels like this has been never ending. Uh, I, had, I had a great uh, perspective, I thought, kind of put on it today. That the time feels like it went by fast, but it just it, the games have felt again kind of like never ending. It's just been this endless cycle. And again, what a player told me today was, "It's just it's been a whirlwind of a season too. It's been a roller coaster, ups downs, good winning streaks, tough losing streaks. The injuries, yes, everyone deals with injuries, but what that has meant in terms of players cycling in." The locker room has looked different every week. We went through a stretch there, Megan, at the beginning of the year where fuck, the, the lineup was different every single night. And so I do just think it's like a we know this is the team. This is the group. We know who it is. You're short Landis unless he's going on the trip, which he did Jared didn't specify. So let's just assume he doesn't. The group that's out there, that is the group, minus Gabe Landeskog. Take a deep breath, you know what I mean? Like It's been a crazy season, but we're here. We're at the end, this is the last road trip. I know you have the one road game against Nashville to finish it. Like the last road trip, take a deep breath, everyone get on the same page, and let's go into the postseason. And so I do think, to your point, Jared downplayed it a little bit, but I don't think it's nothing.
0: No, because I think this is a part of this season story that has been the biggest challenge for them is the disruption it's not just the disruption of injuries and inconsistencies in the lineup brought about through that it's the scheduling that has also been a little weird at points with so many back-to-backs the finland trip at the start of the year i think Mm -hmm. we're going to look back on and that's probably going to change to how the nhl approaches global series moving forward because i have to imagine players both columbus and Avalanche side of things had a lot to say about the experience, good and bad.
1: Yep. Um, real quick, just to, I've had, I I talked to a couple guys about that this year, and all I'll say is I think you are 100% right that the NHL is going to make some changes because I, I just don't think that. Guys loved the way that that scheduling went. And it's I didn't the mean disru- to you, No,
0: sorry. it's okay. And it's the disruption. Because right. it, it is hard to pivot around that. It is, We've talked a lot about the grind. I won't go into that too much. But it is a later topic of discussion, too, just the ways in which there are parts of this season that are unprecedented. I evaluate it through the lens of how it's affected the Colorado Eagles, but these two things affect each other so greatly. And yeah. it's on the topic of the college uh, free agents that they've signed that's brought about by necessity. And yes, we'll, we'll get yeah. into it. But I don't want to move on from the Landeskog conversation too mm-hmm. soon, because my hunch is he will travel. Because it Ooh. feels like he is in a place with his rehab, that he wants to be taking shots, receiving uh, passes, and playing off of his teammates a little bit more. And if he doesn't travel, he kind of misses out on the opportunity to get on the ice and get those reps yeah. in. That I think he could see the value in traveling for that alone
1: i i agree i am i'm not i yeah i know i i like that i like that way of thinking because look i had said it may have been on last week's at the rink that i i felt like his progress had kind of stalled out and that he really wasn't getting any better well right after i said that in the two three days that followed I felt like it was some of the best progress we had seen Gabe Landeskog make. To apropos of what you're saying, taking reps in drills, passing, receiving passes, taking shots, and then just a couple days ago, we see him out here, stopping and starting, which had been the thing missing from his his reps on the ice. Was he was we we noticed he's not stopping. He's not stopping and exploding out. The one caveat. He didn't run through any of those drills, leading with his right leg. But still, there's progress there. And I think what you're... I I agree with you. You've sold me on him going on the trip. (laughs) Because I do think he is at that point. And and he didn't go... Not that that'd be taking a step back, but it's like, why stall that out? The team's going to be gone for so long.
0: Especially if you are seeing... Inches of progress being made, and I'm glad you brought it up because I read it in your piece. You went into that a little bit more in detail on some of the progress you saw, just kind of in this last week. So, hopefully, Landeskog does travel. Then the other player of the hour that you wrote about <laughs> that I loved is Valnachushkin. This is yes. someone that we were able to talk to a few players around the room to talk about his value, and he's someone too who, like everyone on this team, has been affected by disruption. I think yep. he's missed in total 29 games this season, but it wasn't over just one singular stretch. He sort of had this, went down in late October, then this failure to launch in like late December, missed November, a quiet January, and then he really started to turn things on late February. And then now, we're at a point in the season where he's exceeded his pace from yep. last year, and his ice time is up. And this is a player who by every account, has been battling through injuries, both disclosed and undisclosed and still managed to exceed his points production in terms of pace compared to last year.
1: And there's a word there that I want to make sure we double articulate. Injuries multiple injuries that lower? Right. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Middle? We've been told both. (laughs) Because at one
0: point there was that so like that January, I wanna say late December, January time frame. Maintenance days.
1: Yep, a lot had, of maintenance. Had days.
0: reason to believe upper body might have been mm-hmm. something there, but we know too that from the surgically repaired ankle, there was discomfort with the scar throughout tissue throughout yep. a lot of this season that yeah. he's just had to sort of work around.
1: And so that was the other thing that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned was not only did has he, did he start his season with a lot of the stop and start, like you're saying, injured, back in the lineup, injured back in the lineup, maintenance days, playing in games, but not practicing. In addition to all of that, I I do think it was bothering him. And he wasn't quite at 100%. When Jerry Bednar told us a couple weeks ago, you know, you guys in the media can sometimes scrutinize a player and say he doesn't look great. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, we're just happy that he's healthy enough to be in the lineup and contributing in one way or the other. I think that was a little bit of a nod to Val. Because I think there was a lot of that conversation earlier in the year, of just signed this new deal. He's getting hurt a lot. Is a production actually going to match on this seven, you know, seven more years? Right. And I think that was, I think that was who Jared was referring to. Like you guys didn't even know that he was muscling through those games at sixty-five percent because we were so depleted. And you know, I think the point he was making was. And at 65%, he was pretty damn effective, even if he wasn't contributing the same way. I think we're seeing him a little bit closer to 100%, as close to 100% as anybody is this time of year. Jared said he put him with Nate and Miko a couple weeks ago to try to jumpstart him a bit. I think it's worked out pretty well. And like you said, we'll have a video here that, that we'll kind of play in a minute because we just we, we had to talk to a few different guys about this because I really do think that he's... Everything that you talked about with his production and, and his pace and uh, you know, outpacing last year and, and really kind of exceeding the expectations of that contract, it's kind of been a slow burn this year. And it really feels like it's been kind of quiet like because of the way it started, if you weren't really closely paying attention, you maybe didn't realize how much he's come on here in the back half.
0: I think the pressure of that contract loomed so heavy over his shoulders for a significant portion of this year, that people maybe it's interesting because people had to be in the back of his mind, right? It had to be in the back of his mind, but people weren't keying in on it so closely either that it drew a lot of attention to him, right. other than he just doesn't look quite 100%. Yes, yep. yep and yep. I don't think there was a ton of buyer's remorse being reflected in the fan base mm-hmm. and the perception because of this contract, but. It's interesting though, even among the time he's missed, that he has been able to do what he has in this back half of the season. Because it's, even when he gets moved on that second line, the reason being, it is to add a heavier forechecking presence to that, and it's not because he hasn't exceeded expectations on the top line with Mac and Miko. Right. Because there's a lot of trust put in Val there, because these are two players individually tracking down their own records. They're on the doorstep of it. And that is made possible by having a linemate that they trust there as well. Like, yeah. Miko doesn't get on the doorstep of 50 goals without the help of his linemates mm-hmm. around him. Yeah. And that is a lot of trust being put in even Ivan Ntushkin, who we know isn't quite 100%, but is still pretty damn good. Right. I think that's such an impressive feat, and it, it's a testament, too, to what his teammates have to say about him. Well,
1: oh, And at and, and uh, the, the part that, uh, I believe it was Kale, uh talk to me about it with val that i don't necessarily want to say is underrated but i think maybe underappreciated or people don't quite have the respect for he has a unique skill set like val machushkin is i'm not going to go as far to say like a one of one in the nhl but there are not a lot of guys that have his combination of size speed as much as we used to joke on the DNVR abs pod about you know his hands and stuff like that, so he demonstrated in the shootout. Dude's got some soft hands. Uh, you know he can score. The way he digs pucks out, uh, you know, below the goal line. He really is kind of like this. Uh, I liken him a lot to Gabe Landeskog, maybe without the net front presence and tips and stuff like that. But just my goodness, is he hard to play against? He's he's on your hip constantly. He's so strong in the forecheck. He gives the abs and those guys that you're talking about, Miko Rantanen, uh, Nathan mckinnon you know, even Kel McCarr. He just gives them a different element of playmaker that a guy like, say, even Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, they don't have a workhorse like that who can go out there and just be a massive pain in the ass to play against. Um, and, and I do just think that like that. What Val Nichushkin is to the abs, you don't find that on a lot of NHL teams. And that's the part where I do feel like, um, maybe, like I said, maybe it was a little underappreciated that he's a big guy who moves really well and is very good on the defensive side of the puck, but doesn't lack offensively. He's more than a point per game player this year, uh, you know, for himself individually. Um, and that was the part to me that, that stuck out when Kale went there immediately. Just like, hard to play against hard to play against um and i think he could end up being again a huge x factor for the abs in the playoffs
0: and you look to when this was a player who was drafted in his time earlier in dallas the goal scoring in the offense was just not there mm-hmm. and it's something that's been brought about in colorado and it's not to say that this is the way solely Colorado likes to play, and it has benefited Val, but it has been the way that Val likes to play too. Yeah. And he's made it work for him because a lot of the su- success we're talking about with Ranton and I think Rantanen even talks about it, um, is the puck retrieval and engaging in those yes. battles makes yep. the possession that Colorado is known for and is a part of their identity possible. Yes. And that leads to the playmaking and the scoring opportunities that the Mikko Rantanins and the Nathan McKinnons get to have, and it's brought about by Val So,
1: there's there's two plays just off the top of my head that I can go to that make me think about this, and they're both from the Stanley Cup Final. One of them ended up being a Val goal, and the other one was the Andre Burakovsky game one overtime winner both of those goals both of them are created by exactly what you're talking about Val Nichushkin, puck retrieval and forecheck Tampa couldn't get out of the zone almost because of Val Nichushkin by himself and it was just that anytime Nate Miko kale any puck that went to the net Val was the first one there he was like that Bugs Bunny like baseball cartoon where he plays every position that was val Nachushkin on on and like i said i'm not even having to look at the tape that's how dominant i remember each of those shifts being relative to what you're talking about and I, I, again i just think that's a huge thing that maybe not enough people give the credit to to val on is your superstars get a lot more puck touches because of the work that val Nachushkin does below the goal line
0: and that's Val game like yes. he came to colorado with that as a part of his dna and then there have been, there's been growth, and there's been evolution, too. Mm-hmm. But it is what makes him pretty special. Yes. And I think this is probably a good time yeah. to let them talk about how special he we'll, we'll is. let them I'll
1: say one last thing. <laughs> okay. uh, I go back, and I actually talked to Andrew Cogliano about this earlier in the year. I can maybe find the video, but I'd have to dig pretty far um, about Val. And there's the, the quote from Yarmir, y- Yarmir Yager, one of the all-time greats, At that first Val Nachushkin training camp, because Yager was playing in Dallas at the time, Val had just been drafted 10th overall, and Yager had a quote during training camp saying, this is gonna be the best player in the league one day. He will be the best player in the world. He's got that kind of skill set." And when I asked Cogs about that earlier in the year, Cogliano said, go back to the Stanley Cup final, and I think there's three or four games where Yamer Yager was right. He was the best player in the world in that moment. And that's just incredibly high praise. One from Yager, and then two from a guy like Andrew Cogliano, who I certainly take his word on guys who work hard, you know, put in the effort, have the skill, and so it's high praise from your from your peers.
0: And I, I think of with like an Andrew Cogliano type, he's played opposite of players that he has a really good sense yes, of who's so difficult to play, play against like he's fortunate to play on this side of things <laughs> with a but i'm sure he's played opposite of a valnichushkin or a valnichushkin type before and can really um attest to that. attest to why that's so important
1: absolutely yeah so yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll go ahead and run that here and, and yeah let you guys hear i think it's i think it's kale nate miko and jared talking about val what do you say about Val, you know, big outing for him? He really seemed to step his game up last in the postseason. Yeah, Val's been
2: good for us. Um, I think he's, uh, he's obviously a force, and he has that physical presence every night. He's, he's one of our top guys. So um, it's that kind of the foretracking threat and then also that threat that he can be around the net. Um, that he's kind of gotten back to now. So that's yeah, good to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah.
1: What makes him so hard to defend? Is it just that such a big frame
2: and he uh, moves uh, so well? Yeah, he can protect the puck well. Um, he's, like I said, he's capable in world as He can be. And um, when he's when he's using his body in the corners, nobody can really get, get the puck away from him. So, um, and he knows yeah, that. And when, when he's on his he's game, uh, he's, like I said, he's one
3: of our best players. He's, you know, puck protection and uh, big body. You know, he's, he's very good down low. and uh, He likes to go to the net for which is good, you know, that's what we need. When, personally, when Nate likes to roll high and play high with the D. Me and Val try to get to the net more and try to get the flexors, try to keep flex alive. And, and, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been good in all few games. You said you were trying to jumpstart
1: Val, you know, last week or two weeks ago, and certainly looks a little bit more comfortable now.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've liked his last few games, I think more assertive again as well. Um, excited to play with Mac and Miko. I think he had two assists the first night. He had, they had two goals the other night. Um, you know, it's just a confidence boost for him, and to be able to get back on the board, you can see the energy coming back in his game offensively. Can you move up the shootout depth chart at all? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Is, that Is that? Yeah, he's been great. Um, you know, I know he had a couple injuries this season, so it's hard to get into a rhythm, but I
0: think he's starting to find his rhythm, and he's always been such a hard worker, and both sides of the puck, forecheck, backtracking,
2: um, you know, such a good defensive player, and. Obviously, uh, the points are coming now, but I think his game was always there, and uh, it looks great. Do
1: you know he had that move uh, in, the, in, the, in the bag to pull out the shootout? No, it was nice, though. It was, it was, it was great. It was, uh, yeah, it was uh, nice to get that win, for sure. Did you know he had that move in the weekend? the other
2: night. To be honest, I was telling him after, he sucked me out too, because I thought he was going backhand and then he uh, sucked that back forehand. But I mean, for, for his advantage to have such a long reach and a long stick, to have a goal commit to one side like that and then just swoop it to the other side. It's just, it's so lethal. So it was pretty sweet to see.
0: All right. So another player, this news is maybe a little dated because it happened a couple weeks back, <laughs> but I still wanted to talk about Kyle McCarr being voted the top defenseman. Yeah, because absolutely. Because he earned Almost, you know, such a significant part of the vote as voted by other players mm-hmm. that it isn't surprising to anyone within the abs fan base to see that, though it is sometimes surprising to see him get recognition outside of Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's among players. It's, again, the conversation of when you play opposite somebody like that, you really come to appreciate just how good they have to be at what they do, especially if you do it yourself. Yeah. And so he earned 63.9% of the vote. and. I think it is a little bit funny that this vote also took place so early into this season, yeah. because I don't think the results would have been that different from what they were.
1: I agree. So what I, what I found the most fascinating about all of that was, did you look at any of the other um, rankings or polls or anything? No. Kayl McCarr getting 63.9% of the vote was far and away b- by a huge margin. That was the largest margin You're right. that any player grabbed the top spot in any of the categories. Best player, most clutch. Uh, I don't remember what all, there were seven or eight categories that players voted on. And in almost all of them, I think Connor McDavid had one of them where it was like a, in a game seven overtime, who's the one player you'd want on your team? And I think Connor McDavid got like 27% of that vote. That was the next largest like margin of victory on any one single category. That was what I found the most fascinating. Relative to what you're talking about, not only did his peers, did Kel peers say, you are the best defenseman, but no other player had that much support for being the top fill in the blank. And that was the part to me that I found most interesting was, wow, more than half of the players in the NHL don't even really think this is close.
0: It's, it's interesting because obviously the vote happens really early mm-hmm. into this season so nobody's voting with the understanding of what happens this year but we have it now in real time as mm-hmm. we talk about it and he's like Yvonne Tushkin in that he has also missed stretches of time, not significant time but it's been disruptive and it's been of concern at points because of concussion protocols and he's still, I don't want to say he's exceeded his pace because it fluctuates because there are still games left to be played but he is inching past it ever so often like every few games or so because he's had a couple quieter games Mm -hmm. but he's still sitting i want to say at three points in the last five games so it still hasn't actually been that quiet just quiet maybe for Kale McCarr Um, and so even still i think he is going to exceed his points pace even with the time missed compared to last season and that is with A lot of responsibility in the ice time that he's had to take on because of the injuries. Leads a
1: league in ice time per game.
0: That has not changed this season, even when they have had reinforcements come back into the lineup. It's gotten better, it's alleviated some things for him, and I think that's where we've seen the offense trickle back into the level that we're familiar with. But the ways in which he helps the team too are so much more than what he contributes offensively. I think that's why he has earned the respect from his peers that he has too.
1: Yep, no, 100%. And I think the biggest testament to, to Kale and the year he's had, because like you said, there's been stretches where it maybe hasn't felt as good and he's missed so much time with injury. Even with all the time missed with injury, last week from a media person not on the abs beat, I started to hear some Kale McCarr Norris buzz. I don't think he'll win it this year. But Megan, if you told me that he finished as a top three finalist again, even with all the time missed and everything, I I think he should. And that's not just me being a homer. You you look around the league and I still think he's the best defenseman. Eric Carlson's having a really good year. There's, There's guys having good years. But I think, again, that, that poll and him coming in with 60, almost 64% of the vote among NHL players, like, I, I think it's pretty obvious who the league's best defenseman is. Again, he, he leads the league in average time on ice per, games, uh, per game. You said he's approaching his points pace from last year. Um, he kills penalties, he plays on the power play. Uh, he, he's out in the last minute of regulation, the first shift of overtime. Uh, you know he, he he truly does it all, and we were having this conversation in the press box a few nights ago. Connor McDavid's the the most talented player in the world, no doubt, no questions asked. I I think you'd be extremely hard pressed to find anyone who would disagree with that. I genuinely, Megan, genuinely, this comes from 20 whatever years of watching a lot of hockey. I think there is an argument right now today. Monday, April 3rd? Is it really just the third? (laughs) Jeez, I thought it was way later than that. Uh, 2023, I think you could make an argument that Kale McCarr is the most complete player in the world. Has the biggest impact goal line to goal line.
0: And I think, you know, we talk about it. We view this from the lens of, we are so lucky to cover a team that he happens to be on. It makes our job really easy. But you look at the way that his head coach trusts him in all situations. Mm -hmm. There's a reason he's running PP1, and he's also out on the penalty kill, out late in games, in the three-on-three overtime. Occasionally, when the shootouts run long, run long enough. He'll go in that, too. He'll go in that, too. And there's a reason he leads the league in ice time, too. It's because it is not that he is just a good offensive player. He also is trusted defensively, yes, so yeah. much so that he is used in all of these situations. His defensive as game
1: is so underrated.
0: It's much better than people give him credit for, because um, I think people have trouble coupl- coupling being good 200 feet. That's yeah. yeah. why like Eric Carlson absolutely belongs in the Norris conversation. Sure, yeah. But is his game as complete as McCars? I would venture to say no.
1: No, that's yeah. where I would
0: be at with it personally. Yeah. Well,
1: and, and to be honest with you, Megan, like the numbers support that too. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know me. Like I'm not a huge, huge analytics metrics tell the story, but th- th- there, there just is no other player. Again, statistically, the numbers flush this out. That say like th- there's nobody that is as good in their own end as they are. Offensively, as as Kale McCarr, and you know, if you need a goal late, if you're down one, you need a goal late, you roll Kale McCarr. If you're up by one, you need to defend a one-goal lead, you roll Kale McCarr. Like that's the level of trust. I I really like that you made sure to mention that with Jared Bennar. That's how much Jared Bennar trusts Kale McCarr. Whether we need one or need to keep one from going in, you are the best guy for the job. I think that says something because. Not to pick, I'm not trying to like pick on Quinn Hughes and like pull this up again. He's an elite defenseman, you know, offensive defenseman. Those types of guys, like they, they don't have that same responsibility. They're not trusted in that same way. Kale McCarr is unique in that sense that he is trusted. Ozone face off, zone face off, late in the game, opening shift, does not matter. We feel Kale McCarr is best suited for it. Does the, the abs coaching staff.
0: And looking back at the last few games, I know I mentioned there may have been a couple that were quieter. It still, like, I think the game that both him and Eric Johnson returned to the lineup Mm -hmm. was an incredible game for both these players, different ways, but Kale McCarr especially. And this is when the subject of his offense was brought up quite a bit. So I want to run side by side, Kale McCarr talking about when he's able to step into his game more offensively, mm-hmm. and Jared Bednar talking about this as well, because the way in which they both talk about it is very different and very true to who they each are. Yeah. Omakar
1: has 19 points in his last nine games, and he said it's because the team is rolling right now, but do you think there's more
3: to him generating more opportunities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no question. I mean, he's being modest. I mean, you know, he you see what he does. Like he just kind of starts taking over the game when he when we need one or it's a close game and he starts to push offensively. He can make things happen on his own and and for his line mates and guys that are the other four guys that are on the ice. Like he to drive that, you know. Um, so him getting 19 points. He, you know, it's just him pushing to help our team have success and pushing offensively to make things happen. And you know, a lot of it starts with our back end and, and what they're able to do with the puck, whether it's on the breakouts, the entries, or or even in always on play. They're such a big part of our offensive scheme that, um, you know, when they're on and they're they're in attack mode, then it can help us.
2: Yeah, I've just I don't know if it's me individually. I think it's just guys in general. Um, I feel like every line is giving us especially in the back end, and we're trying to give them opportunities to score. So um, guys are just in good spots. I mean, you saw the power play tonight. I shoot that one. Uh, Combs obviously in a perfect spot there and picks up um, the tip and then the rebound. So, um, yeah.
0: We talked about this earlier, and it is this unprecedented season. 421 man games lost. Now, ABS I want to say, are third in the league in terms of being affected by this the worst. I think Montreal is still worse. And then I... I'm blanking on who the second worst was. Um, is it Columbus? Columbus is bad. Yep. Vegas is also bad.
1: Yep.
0: It might be uh, Columbus. Yeah,
1: though. yeah, no, I know. I know there is one more. Yeah. Was
0: that was like is it huge Pittsburgh huge part of it? No, it's not oh. Pittsburgh.
1: It's it's another Eastern Conference team. But there's only
0: that. two above, yes. basically, and Montreal has had also just a horrific season in terms of injuries, so. Theirs is quite an anomaly, but abs, their season still also feels that way. That is a significant amount of games lost to injury. And, and the
1: players that they lost too. Like, I, I, not to. Andrew Cogmano even said today that he was kind of done talking about injuries. So everyone has injuries and all that stuff, but that is just the one part that I, I do want to make sure doesn't go missed this year. Not only is it an, is it an absurd amount of man games lost, it's the players. Like, the abs did not lose a lot of, like, down lineup guys this year. It, it felt like it was all top four, top six. We were just joking in there, like, you had, and this isn't a knock on Jean-Luc Foudy, you had, I think, three games where Jean-Luc Foudy was in your top six.
0: Sorry, it's not funny.
1: <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, no, it's, it's not. Charles Houdon was part of the six on five, like, Late in games, pull your goalie like Houdon was part of that. That is not a knock on either of those players. But that just tells you like, no, you had you weren't having American League guys fill in at the bottom of your lineup. You needed them to play key roles at times in November, December. This has been an insane injury year for the Avs.
0: I was looking before we went on, and so I might have miscounted because I'm not sure if I car- counted Charles Houdon, come to think of it. Oh, but shit. it's something like 16 or 17 different AHL call-up players yeah. that have happened for a combined 200 games that they have dressed It's a bit unreal because it was players like a Martin Kaut type that dressed for 30-plus mm. games. Right, right? And so that that took up significant time. Ben Myers is different in that understandably because he is sort of fringe and he is trying to see where he fits and so the time he has spent with the team has been sort of an audition. It hasn't necessarily been just because the abs have been injured as well but overall you know that is a bit unusual but it has affected both the abs and the Eagles so much so that It started out in season. The Eagles were now up to my count, 14 PTOs in season that they have. (sighs) That's crazy. Now the success stories have been Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paré. And that's, you know, that's also specific to just the Eagles. We are not expecting Cedric Paré to have any hand Mm -hmm. in the F success moving forward. But this is just so that the Eagles can ice a (laughs) team of their own. Since the new year, Brad Hunt, their captain has only played in two games he didn't even know he was being named captain he <laughs> went into the locker room and just had a c on his jersey one day He's like, oh sick <laughs> it's just bit absurd and so as a result right these ptos now not all of them have been success stories too um i've been asked if uh players in utah with the utah grizzlies mm-hmm. have been given more consideration in all of this because there were a handful of call-ups earlier in the year to some of the forwards. This is where Nate Klerman actually earned himself a roster spot Mm -hmm. up with the Eagles. Um, And so the answer is yes. They have been given consideration and the video coach um, and like general manager of business operations for the Eagles, Steven Petrovic, has helped to introduce some of these PTO options because he's very plugged into the ECHL. Tim Branham, the assistant coach for the Eagles, used to coach with the Grizzlies is best friends with their head coach. So the answer is yes, they have been paid consideration, but the answer is they're still looking for best options, and that is why there have been 14 PTOs. So there hasn't been an internal option that they felt super comfortable with this year.
1: And the other part of this too, which I I mentioned to you several times with you, I love that you continue to bring this part of it up. Because it's the part of this that you don't consider. So let's say the Eagles really did tap into the Grizzlies pipeline. Who are the Grizzlies going to put on the ice? Like, when you have these kinds of injuries at the NHL level, it has a ripple effect on the entire organization. 100%. And, 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 you know, the Eagles can't just rip 14 guys (laughs) off of the, I'm sorry, off, (laughs) off the Grizzlies roster, you know, whenever they want. Like, these are all teams trying to be competitive and trying to win games in their respective leagues, and so yeah, when you have this type of inju- you know these types of injuries at the NHL level and at the AHL level, you have to get creative with where you're bringing players because you you just don't have that many in the organization. Every time there's a call great up point. to the NHL roster, that means movement somewhere else.
0: It's a great point actually because I don't think some of these players that come to mind like. Pfizer and Seckos and Cam Wright that are down there in Utah and having fine seasons, mm-hmm. they, they did get looked at, but I don't think it's because they're having bad seasons that they get sent back. I, I think there's a little bit of the adjustment that there are players that are better suited, come in on a PTO, can jump in an American League play more immediately that they felt comfortable with, but it's interesting too because I look at the Keith Kincaid transaction and I've been asked more why is it that Jojo has been up here with the abs recently isn't that what they got Keith Kincaid for and I don't necessarily agree I think that they got Keith Kincaid so that Jonas Johansson yeah, come up yeah no, and yeah. back up with the abs because the Eagles also need a goaltender and they are chasing their own playoff run and so there is Trent Miner out of Utah that is an option there but they probably wanted a little bit more security and so that's where Keith Kincaid enters the equation and so all of this is, I think, like you're alluding to, is this balance is when they pull someone from here, they have to replenish here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that explains K- Kate a little bit. Um, and it explains this influx of these college free agency signings yeah. uh, is where this is all headed. <laughs> because these PTOs, as I've mentioned, there are a handful that have not worked out for the Eagles. And the cupboards have grown a little bit bare. Yeah. Now, this is something that a college free agent signing of last year talked about pretty frankly, I think, when Ben Myers was recalled yeah. on this undisclosed emergency loan that wasn't actually necessary in the end, thankfully, he talked a little bit though about why he felt a lot of these college players were getting signed all of a sudden. Yeah.
3: Uh, what What is it about the
1: organization that's such an appeal for, I guess, that's sold you and might be so to some other guys? Um, I mean, quite honestly, it's probably just, you know, they traded away a lot of their prospects in recent years. And- Stuff like that, but I mean, other than that, it's it's just a. I think guys here is just a great place to play, not only here but with the Eagles as well, and um, the way the organizations run. And, I mean, that's the reason why uh, you know both teams have been winning recently, I think too. So.
0: So what? Are, what is your take too? Because I know you're not the number one college hockey fan sitting here. <laughs> I think is fair thing to say. But points have been made about the
1: necessity yeah so megan i actually i actually love that the abs are doing this and it's kind of become like part of their like brand almost and i feel you can trace it back to alex kerfoot right so you're coming off the off that 48 point season it's the first year with the new regime no patrick watt you know helping to influence decisions And they were able to land Alex Kerfoot, who who had been drafted. There was a lot of buzz around him. He was electing to go college UFA instead of signing with the Devils. Yep, so, you know, a little bit of a different circumstance there, but they were able to land him and they were able to say, we can give you ice time and we can help make you a full-time NHL. And they did, right? Alexander Kerfoot plays a pretty prominent role now with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, You know, obviously he helped He was part of the package that brought Nazem Kadri back. And then you look at a guy like Logan O'Connor, the abs were already on the up, getting back into the playoffs. They signed Logan O'Connor, college free agent from right down the road. And on a contending team, he became a staple in the lineup where, you know, he's at different points this season. I think you could even say he had to take on a leadership role, things like that. And again, he was a captain, he played all four years. I think he had a pretty good senior year, right? OC, decent?
0: I, I, um, I'm actually trying to remember, he might've left after his junior year. Was it his junior year? Yeah, Um, and it was good. Like he got gradually better, yeah. but it didn't jump off the it page. It didn't did jump did off you?
1: the page, right. And, and that was the part to me that, I, that again, you look back on it now, and that's part of what I think has to make this enticing for players and something that the abs wanna pursue more because, like you said, Logan O'Connor, it didn't, it didn't scream off the page of you. yeah like, You have to get this no, guy. he played
0: a depth role. He was a hard worker. Hard
1: worker. Good on the penalty kill. Uh, my memory serves me right. It was the the last year or two that he was in college.
0: Yes. You really
1: started to see the short handed goal and uh, you know uptick yes. and that really strong penalty killer. And they took that and turned that into a an NHL regular. Who, if Logan O'Connor wants it, he'll play ten plus years in the NHL. After this, you know, and so I think if you're if you're a college UFA, you're seeing that you're saying these guys have a track record of doing this. The Abs have identified a type of player: strong leadership, stuff like that. They want to identify (laughs) captains, captains. Literally, (laughs) Um, they're poaching so many. Seriously, and 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 I just think that the Abs have struggled to hit on draft picks after the first round. So they're basically saying we're going to just go pursue the guys that are a little bit more polished that we can have them jump straight into our system. These are guys that are maybe undervalued, not scouted properly, whatever. We think we can find value in these dudes. And it really kind of frees them up to take either big swings with their draft picks or move your draft picks. Who needs second and third round picks if you're gonna sign, you know, three of the top 10 college free agents every summer. And I say that half kind of facetiously, but like really, are you not, trying to get this exact level of player out of a third round pick second round pick you're hoping if you pick a guy in the late stages of the second round like the abs would be doing this year you're hoping that after three to four years you can be moving them into your american league roster and start getting them into the mix that's what exactly what the abs are doing and it doesn't cost you a thing other than dollars and so I actually I'm a huge fan of them doing this if the Avs just said we're gonna punt on our second and third round picks for the next 10 years to try to bring in win now guys and then we're just gonna go poach the college free agent market every summer two thumbs up from me
0: I love a lot of reasons for it I've always been an advocate for the college hockey pipeline as a development league to channel into professional hockey for a few reasons it's not a slight at major junior either but there are different reasons for players because some players will age out of juniors go to college Mm -hmm. and so they're exiting college and if they are the undrafted free agent type they're 24 yeah they're 23 24 25 they are fully grown adults mentally Men, yeah and they've been held to the standards of their university too they're not only accountable to their team their teammates but they are accountable to the same rules as a student body is held to yeah. eligibility ha- stuff eligibility yep. stuff and so they have to check in with a lot of adults in their life it is more than just their coach and their teammates It is their professors and they're TAs and okay. they have to work in group projects and they have to maintain some level of academic success. It, again, right. I say that very loosely. I know that there are always, if you've ever like, been around a D1 <laughs> team, they are cutting quarters in different ways. <laughs> However, I You're
1: telling me all those dudes that play for Alabama's football team aren't all really 4.0 students, Megan?
0: But, you know, <laughs> there's, there's like there's some kind of middle ground that <laughs> right, you right, and I, yeah, exactly. benefits them because I think that's where they start to develop pro habits is this routine that they're held to through their universities. And it's why too, I think, this free agent undrafted player type is a late bloomer in the truest sense of the word, which isn't always inherently bad, but it's why I think they've gotten this far in their hockey careers and perhaps have not gone noticed right. and scouted correctly is because earlier in their career, they were still developing. They were yeah. just not quite ready, and so they're going through it quietly behind the scenes through their college career, and that's where opportunity presents itself because they might be playing with drafted players who are NHL caliber talent one day, and they have the benefit of that skill alongside them, and they come out on the other side, and they're pretty adult. Because you look at someone like Foodie who comes straight from his juniors, and he is a bit of an unusual case because he came about really young, but he's in like his second full year, third year pro, and he's 20. Mm-hmm. And so he has played in nine NHL games, which is great, because he was a third-round pick. And so that is kind of a testament yep. to some success there. Totally. Uh, but you look at a Ben Myers type. He comes out, he's 24, mm-hmm. I think. Yep, sounds right. I'll check. And he's immediately able to get in some NHL games and look pretty comfortable even doing it. He's still not 100% there to be a full-time NHL player, but you see it, it's feasible. Yep. And I think that's some of the benefit of taking the long way to getting there. Um, it's not 24. the only way to do it, but it's why I think there's so much value in seeking out this type of player because we have some of these guys playing with the Eagles right now, putting up points in back-to-back games, looking pretty comfortable. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's a win-win because the other side of this was these players grinded out in development camps over this summer mm-hmm. seeking out a contract. Now they have a sure thing. They get to get the pro experience immediately. Pro coaching. Pro coaching. That pro schedule
1: It's yep. harsh. Yep.
0: It is a harsh change to make. So it's good to get them just into the deep end as soon as possible. And then the other part is the Eagles needed the help right now.
1: Right, right, right. Well, and, and it's it's the physical maturity of those guys, like you said, that are 24, 23, 25 in some cases. These college UFAs, they're bigger. The the size isn't maybe as hard as a you know as it would be for a Jean Luc Foodie who's 20. He's still growing. He's still filling out. These are a little bit more mature, bigger you know, physically, let alone uh, you know mentally and emotionally. And then you said something there that that sparked a thought for me, but I, I, I can't. Um, I can't quite remember, but but it's just, it's, it's an interesting route to see the abs really embracing, especially when you've had some success with it. And, and like you said, the Eagles needed the help right away. And I just, I liked it. Literally, in a week, the abs put some interesting pieces back in the prospect pipeline. Like, I'm not saying any of those guys are slam dunk NHLers, but it just, it... it it gives you some more pieces back that you can talk yourself into that have NHL upside, and, and and you know, like you were saying, them being late bloomers, they're still developing. You know, just because they went undrafted doesn't mean their hockey career is over. And um, I wish I could remember what I was going to say, uh, but no, it's just it's it's been interesting. It's been interesting to watch them take this approach and 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 seems like players are interested and um you know ben myers had a a, had an interesting quote about why he thinks so many players are interested in coming
0: here right and i love that you made mention of it i didn't want to drive by it too quickly too that it's just a great place to play yeah i think because these are highly coveted college free agents that colorado was able to get Mm -hmm. ben myers included last year there is a lot of selling themselves, like selling Colorado, selling themselves to yeah. these players to make it convincing for them to choose here. Yeah. And that's a testament too to what Colorado is building and they have to make a pretty compelling case like you, you want to play in Colorado, right. even if it is in Loveland
1: right, to start. Right.
0: And even if we can't promise the, the NHL mm-hmm. role one day.
1: So I remember what I was gonna say, just and when you were talking about the difference in age, the one that always trips me up relative to this <laughs> jt confer is older than miko rantanen that is true. i I always forget that but it's again jt confer went the college route went you know played a few years before coming out miko jumps right in at a young age great point so it feels like miko is the older more veteran guy but jt confer is older than him and so it's just you know again i don't think anyone would say that you know miko Rantanen isn't the better player by a pretty wide margin but point being jt confer is a very very good NHL player went to college route, and I think he was maybe able to jump in a little bit more immediately. As Miko, you know, it, it was the slow build a little bit, and I think he would maybe even say, right now to this day, he I think this season is the first season where he really feels physically, all right, I'm like I'm here, like I'm yeah. I'm done growing, I'm done filling out, whatever, like I'm ready, you know, this is who I am. As for JT Comfort, you know, he was feeling that way at a different point in his career. So it's all just interesting.
0: No, it really is because everyone's path is going to be different. I think it's why there's probably concern then why Oscar Lawson and Ranta and John Luke Fudi aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. As I'm talking about how great it is to have these sort of older players in the American League now. Well, where's the graduation status at then for some of these other players? And I think it's fair concern. I think it remains to be unseen just because of the timeline of each of those players. I think the players that I think we could put in a disappointing category would be like the Martin Cout types. Yeah. Even Shane Bowers, because of the amount of time yep. he spent there, obviously the context of injuries is important, but Always. that's important for the Eagles this season too.
1: Health that's, is a skill too.
0: That's why I am sympathetic to Oscar Alefsen. It's only his sophomore season. He hasn't had particular troubles with health either, but he has had a lot of inconsistencies around yep. him. All of the context matters, but all in all, I'm loving this (laughs) move for the Colorado Eagles, and I'm really excited for them to bring new players on board too, like Matt Steinberg, he has been a prospect, they've been excited on, is finally making the leap to Mm -hmm. pro play, so he should join the Colorado Eagles soon. Um, And eventually there is a Sean Barons in the pipeline. I think the development is the name of the game. I think there's a reason that we can expect Sean Barons is taking a third year, Mm -hmm. and it's development. I think it's more than that too, it's context because I think they are weighing the best time to activate his entry level contract alongside expiring contracts yes. and yep. when they're going to most need Sean's services and what he can continue doing before activating that one more year at DU, yeah. including getting
1: physically stronger. Just you mentioned that to me the other day that that's probably the one area that you want to see, you really want to see Sean Barron take another step. and. It's all good. Let him do it. No, exactly. He's the wrong way to do it. Right. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Cool. Did you have anything else?
0: No, that's it. Thank you all so much for watching.
1: (laughs) Busy week. Coming down the stretch here, Megan. I'm excited. Me too. Cool.
0: We're sign off yet.